Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work and ProjectManagement.com. You're about to listen to an interview with Jesse Sterenschus. Jesse is the founder of The Improv Effect, and the work that she does is largely focused on helping individuals and organizations improve or optimize their interpersonal communication, their leadership skills. She also helps organizations with cultural transformation. So she does a lot of executive coaching and a lot of agile coaching as well. Uh, I've interviewed Jesse before. We've talked a lot about improv, and we're going to dig into that a little bit more today. As you can probably tell from the name of her company, Jesse's approach leverages a a lot of techniques from improv. And as I've mentioned in some other interviews, I'm fairly skeptical about that whole approach. It's not that I don't believe it works. I see it work for lots of people. It's just that for me, it's not been the easiest fit. So I took a class recently and Jesse and I are going to talk about some of the some of the things that happened, some of my experiences. And so if you are skeptical about it or hesitant to approach it, I hope this will answer some questions for you and leave you a little more open to the idea of it because it was a great learning experience. Now, before we start with the interview, I do want to mention one thing in particular. When Jesse and I recorded the interview, she was a few days away from being one of the presenters at the Creative Courage Summit. So she appeared there along with folks like David Allen and Denise Jacobs. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the interview edited before the summit took place, but I did want to mention that you can still go to creativecouragesummit.live and you can sign up and get access to all the videos. So you can see Jesse's talk, you can watch David Allen, Denise Jacobs, and a whole bunch of other great people offer advice and things that will help encourage you to be more creative in your approach to work and to life. So uh, if you'd like to learn more about Jesse, you can go to theimproveffect.com. You can check out The Improv Effect on Facebook. You can also go to The Improv Effect on Twitter. And now onto the podcast. This is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. Today, Jesse Sterenchus is taking some time out to help school me up on some improv-related stuff, but we're also going to start out by talking about some of the stuff that she's doing now to help foster people's creativity and to help them develop their presentation skills and things like that. So, Jesse, thank you very much for taking time out of your morning. No problem. Thank you. And you've been on the road a lot since the last time we spoke. Do you want to, can you maybe give like a rundown of all the places you've been? Have you been like, you were going like, Kentucky to like the Middle East and back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a whirlwind the past three months. I did a agile conference in Israel and worked with a, another technology company there while I was there. And then I was at something called Owner Summit out in San Diego doing a talk. And let's see, what else have I been doing? I had ops conference which is like one of my favorite projects that i created with another friend of mine a few years ago which is like a retreat for heads of operation of software oh, wow. companies yeah that's cool it was really cool we we got together in um breckenridge this year okay and it's really a cool thing like people just kind of come together they don't know each other and by the end they're like close friends and you know continue the relationship outside of there whenever they need something or they're stuck on yeah. something. So that was That's great. Yeah. And lots of other corporate <clears throat> corporate training here in Canada. And yeah, I'm glad to be home. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and you're, so you're home, but you're still working. So yeah. with the, can you, you've got like a new offering that you've put together for like the one-on-one training or the corporate training around personal speaking. Can you mm-hmm. kind of explain that one a little bit? Yeah. So I, have teamed up with a friend and colleague of mine, Sunny Brown, and we are offering 
presentation skills coaching, which is done one-on-one, -on -one, or it can also be done in person for your team or for your leadership. It's something we've both done on our own. And so we thought we'd come together. Her background is in sort of game storming and visual thinking. Okay. Where mine is more on the experiential, like help you with your delivery using improv techniques and help you kind of build your story. And so we thought it would be fun to put it out there and partner up on some, you know, types of training together. All right, cool. And so, and, and if they, just to, just to get it in before I forget, they can always go to the improveffect.com to learn more about this. They sure can. All right. And you're going to be part of an online creative summit. Yes. Of sorts. Yes, I am. Yeah, it's called the Creative Courage Summit, and they have about... 20 or so creativity leaders or gurus, if you will, that they've interviewed. And it's all online. It starts next week. And they've got some really incredible speakers, pretty familiar names like Amber Ray, David Allen. So I was pretty... Um, and you, and you. <laughs> I was very uh, delighted to be invited to be <laughs> one of those speakers. And I enjoyed the interview. Uh, it's nice that my name is in that list of people, but it was a little shocking to say the least. Well, I don't know. I've seen you present, I think, once or twice. Already. I think you're always really amazing. So um, so that's going to be on the, is it the 17th? Is that when it starts? Yeah, it starts the 17th, so next week. Okay. And, and if folks want to find out about that, they can go to creativecouragesummit.live. Yes. Which doesn't totally roll off the tongue, but it's still there. Cool. All right. And they can also go find your book. So before, just before we get into it, I want to make sure we cover all this stuff because I know I'm going to forget after we start talking about improv. But your book is available on Amazon. Yes. And that is Control Shift, 50 Days for 50 Blinking Days Like Today. And each chapter is about a day you might be having and an exercise or activity that you can do to kind of deal with your day. It's a lot of fun. All right. So, and that's kind of what I was hoping we could start from to launch into the next thing. We've talked about improv a couple of times. And one of the things, cause I'm on the panel of people that review certified scrum trainers, we always, we often recommend that they take an improv class. Yeah. So on New Year's Eve, my wife and I went to, to this New Year's Eve celebration. We saw a little improv show and they had this like free workshop. So I took it, signed up for the class. Cause my wife was like, you really need to go do this. And I did. And, um, I felt like I missed, the, there's something that I didn't quite get. Mm. Because having talked to you and the other folks that do it, it's got to have a huge impact. I felt like it didn't, I, something didn't click. Um, Tell me you, Okay, so I'm, one of the big things in Agile right now is safety. I'm trying to figure out how to apply this in, in work and in sure. teaching. Sure. And I get, I get the listening part of it. Um, but the safety thing seemed really false to me. Like when we, uh, we've talked and I've talked with um, Paul Hammond also about the idea of safety and you create this space where there's rules. Mm -hmm. So people know to support one another. Right. And I get that, but I felt like I was obligated to go on with everything everyone wanted to do. And then mm -hmm. that made me think, well, they're obligated to go along with me. So if I'm not funny, they're never going to tell me. If I'm going in a bad direction, they're just going to keep helping me get there. Mm -hmm. And I, I depend on people that I trust to say, Hey, this isn't, this is dumb. Stop. <laughs> but that's like a total no, no. Right. I'm happy to tell you you're dumb whenever you want, <laughs> if that's okay. Now that you gave me permission. <laughs> but that's something that, I mean, how do you, how do you yeah. get there? Like with people, 
that that would be a really important working agreement for me. Like I depend on the people that I trust to be like, "Hey, stop, dude. Stop, dummy." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I oh can't tell goodness. if it's because I grew up in Philadelphia and I'm just like abuse is a sign of affection, or if it's something else. But... Maybe that could be it, but that you probably need therapy for, and not improv. I would think <laughs> that's probably. But how do you do that when you're working with people like where you can you can have a critical. Supportive and critical at the same time. Is that yeah, is there a way I, I to do that? I think so. How first of all, how long um, were the sessions? Like, so how many sessions did you go to? There were, uh, I think, there were two hours long, and there were like seven of them, and I missed two of them. Okay, and were some of the ones you missed like right up front, or I missed random? the very first one, and I missed mm-hmm. one in the middle. So we were doing stuff like there were different improv games, you know, mm-hmm. ripping on each other's stuff, and not so much physical stuff, more verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the like bunny bunny stuff that people are like do that I'm like no I'm out on that one I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Not real into that. I don't do that but I did it so that was one of the big learning things was I found these places that made me really uncomfortable yeah yeah and I pushed myself into them yeah like I didn't want to go to the class a lot of time but I forced myself to go and I knew I was going to be uncomfortable and that was very interesting from like a mm-hmm. self-awareness perspective was the class set up like for for actors was it like were the objectives to anyone to people wanting to bring this back to work do you know what they um, kind of no we to? had we had a couple people that were there because they were introverted okay. a couple people there because they were actors okay. and then there was me but but the actor thing and I don't I'm, I'm gonna be a total jerk when I say this but the the people that I encountered that were experienced if you would be like make the slightest joke, the laughter that would come out of them was so extreme and so voluminous and so forced, it was hard to trust. Yikes! So yeah. I'm thinking maybe you didn't find the I didn't right get the right class for you, for you in this class. <laughs> I need the so, cranky introvert class. <laughs> no, I think you know. I have people call all the time and ask me, you know, do you offer? You still offer local classes, and you know, that's kind of the bread and butter of how I built my business, but I haven't done yeah. that now for a few years just because I'm on the road. Okay. So I always recommend people like try and have a conversation or two with the instructor or the teacher and also find out like who is their audience? Who are they targeting? Are they targeting people they want to form like an improv comedy troupe or are they looking for people who really want to apply I felt like they were targeting people that would take the remaining five levels of improv. (laughs) Great. So (laughs) that in itself may be a problem. Yeah. I think, you know, having the right teacher and the right first experience is really important, just like it is for anything. So if you're going out of your way to try something new and the person teaching it doesn't resonate with you or even worse, makes you feel embarrassed or uncomfortable, you probably won't like that thing and probably won't try it again. You know, and that's any teacher. If you think about your entire life, like I know for me, like I wasn't super into like math and science growing up and I didn't have a great experience, but later in life, you know, I have, and I got introduced to things in a totally different way. And all of a sudden it clicks and I'm angry that I didn't pick it up sooner, you know? Yeah. But it really was the teacher, you know, that kind of made it either interesting or not, you know? Okay. All right. Well, so can you... Can you ex- uh, explain the safe space thing, how that's supposed to work? Yeah, so I think 
What's interesting is you said you missed the first class, right? Yeah. So typically what you'll do in improv when it's a beginner class is you're setting you're setting sort of the rules on that first class or first and second class. And they should all of the exercises should be around making people feel comfortable with one another and real. And the teacher should be an equal dynamic, if you will. So they shouldn't be like out to the side. Um, yeah, she she of, wasn't. She was in it with yeah, us. It was yeah, and that's really important too, because like, why would somebody want to be a bunny if the you know somebody else is staring at them and they don't? They're above that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not <laughs> that I like the bunny bunny game, but we can talk about that later. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you you establish safety up front, just like you would facilitating a group of people in anything, right? Okay. So it could be that some of some of that feeling that you have is because you missed it. I want to give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Uh, so I think it's... I, so I was putting it more on myself. You I was, were? I was, yeah, because I, I grew up with friends. We riff on stuff all the time, and that's just how we communicate. But if somebody mm -hmm. says something that's not funny, somebody's really stop that was dumb because mm -hmm. that's part of but it's never a judgment of the person it's a judgment of you went in a direction that was not a good direction change go the other way yeah um, and i feel like that helped sharpen me sure sure but maybe my working instructions are different from the rest of that crowd of strangers no i think that you know safety comes from setting the expectations in the okay. room and also modeling that behavior but I also think, like, in order to feel really, truly safe, you have to get to know people, right? And that yeah. takes time. You're not yeah. best friends with somebody after a class or two. You might really connect with them and like their energy and they're interesting. But I don't know that you would go up to them, like, class two and be like, you're dumb. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Stop yeah. doing that. You know? Because it just takes a while to develop a really deep relationship with people. Yeah. So it's working on that and it's working towards that. And there's lots of frameworks to kind of help you feel safe. And the more you work together, the more safe you feel, right? So one of the reasons I stopped doing um, improv comedy performances is because I was traveling. I was on the road a lot and I couldn't consistently be there for my team. Yeah. And one of the most important things about improv when you're performing is the consistency of being with your team and knowing how to set them up for success, like knowing where to push boundaries because you know them so well, knowing when you can yeah. ease and when you can't. But if you're gone, right, you're, you're out of touch. Right. You're out of touch. And then it becomes like, okay, I don't necessarily feel safe with this person anymore, or I'm not sure if I trust this person anymore because they've been gone. Right. And, and so I'm going to like compensate in very strange ways. And that's, a lot of times what you might see in a first like beginner class improv. And that's probably what I was over. doing. Cause I, yeah. I kept go well, I kept going to, yeah, there was one guy that did this robot thing all the time, but my <laughs> found that my, yeah, my go-to was like borderline inappropriate, just weird. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, like I'd say stuff and I'd be like, Oh, that was, I should not have said that out loud. Um, yeah. Yeah. So one thing I think I really like about improv is when you stress, you know, it isn't really about being funny. Like life is funny. It's the way you look at it. And it's not yeah. about like setting up a joke and trying to be clever because what that actually does is it throws off the team and it's hard to collaborate with somebody who's 
trying quote unquote to be clever to win the spotlight yeah yeah it's easier to be simple and make sense that people people can follow where you're going with things and then in the end you all look great you know what i mean yeah you all look sophisticated because it worked out well and that's because you did things in a simple enough way for everyone to follow your lead you know so if if you're traveling like you mentioned like one of my questions initially was, I want to find a way to use this stuff to build camaraderie or you know relationships with remote teams because that's yeah. such an issue all the time. Um, and I asked, and both the teachers were like, "No, nothing like that exists." So, what? Is, yeah, which seemed really weird to me. Like, there's got to be stuff you can do, right? Absolutely. I mean, so you just need to think about it in a different way, you know. So I think you know the most common response to that would probably be, yeah, it doesn't work if you're not in person, right. but you have to look at it in a different perspective. And to me, that's what improv is. It's like, okay, let's flip this on its head and figure out how to make this work. And there's lots of things you can do where, you know, you might be learning the idea of yes and, and being collaborative and keeping people in, in a conversation. Uh, and there's playful ways to learn how to do that. It might be like there's plenty of listening exercises you can do virtually. There's introduction exercises you could do if a new person is onboarding onto a team. So I'd have to disagree with there not being okay. Well, out that's there. good. I mean that so because that was one of the things that I was thinking it would really help. People have so much trouble with distributed teams, mm-hmm. and if some playful activity would help them get to know each other and strengthen that connection, that would be. To me, that's like, I'm in. I, I don't care how weird it feels if you make me do that stupid bunny thing. I'll do that all day long if it's going to help me make distributed teams work better together. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, there's like even just simple stuff. Like there's a game I do called Introduction Tiebacks. And it's, you know, maybe when a new team is being formed and you might start by telling just a little bit about yourself, like a normal introduction exercise, except for each person has to introduce themselves weaving something somebody else said into their introduction okay you know so it's a way for a for you to practice listening b meet each other c not just like be in your head trying to plan how you're going to introduce yourself right yeah and then find really quick connections and you're basically what you're doing is you're yes anding you're saying i hear what you're saying and i have i have something to add to that right do you always have to? No, add, I mean, okay. <laughs> you don't. Because that's one of the things I still, I feel like you're obligated, and then it's that obligation. The trust starts to falter for me because I feel like people are being my friend because they have to. Yeah. How do you I, yes end without ending? <laughs> How do so, you can you go? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you do that instead? You can. You can. I always tell people, you know, if if you can find a way, <clears throat> excuse me, to yes and try right. because what it does is it ultimately keeps people in the conversation longer yeah. or in the brainstorming longer. So, and, but when you're brainstorming, let's say for instance, and you're doing yes and, and I'm relating this to work just so you kind of see how it applies. Right. There are times when you're brainstorming where there should be no judgment and you should be kind of playing off each other one simple idea at a time that's yes anding right and by having that sort of energy and safety that people feel like no matter what they're going to hear me and validate that my idea is worth listening to and play off of it you're going to keep people in the conversation a whole lot longer than you would when you go no we're going to go with my idea right 
So, yeah. but then when you're, when you're brainstorming, the next piece of brainstorming typically is paring things down, right? So it's like, okay, we went as far out as we possibly could, making sure everybody's ideas were heard. Now let's figure out how, how to take that and make it, you know, actionable. And that's where you would hear the no. That's where no makes okay. sense. You know? And you'd have to be careful to not be like, we, I heard all your ideas. They were all very nice. We're going to use mine. Exactly. Like, you exactly. don't want that. Okay. Exactly. So it's got to be, so there's got to be openness to not just helping the other person continue the conversation, but openness to whatever they're bringing, their ideas, their creativity, their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They have to be equal to your own in value. Yeah. And if you typically think about that sort of dynamic, right, that's not usually the case. Like you have... Yeah the very loud steamroller bulldoze personality. You have the quiet people not saying anything. You have some weird dynamic of the leadership that's in there and everybody else feels like they have to just agree with them and nobody else. Like there's all these weird things. But if you say like, you know, you practice this concept of agreeing and building off one another, then all of a sudden the energy shifts, you know, and everybody feels safe enough to be able to, to say something to and say whatever. Yeah. yeah. And for that to be okay. Okay. So what do you, when you're kind of explaining this to people, I mean, it sounds like there's some things that it teaches in terms of listening and being vulnerable and mm -hmm. what, how do you like for somebody in an office, right? Somebody who might have you come in and do a workshop to help their team learn to communicate better. What skills do you say that this would offer them? So there's lots of things. Typically, they fall under three categories, I would say. One is communication. So that could be communicating with one another, communicating cross-functionally, communicating with your straight stakeholders. Then there could be cohesion or collaboration. So how do these teams get along? How do they work together? And then problem solving or creative problem solving. So what are we trying to do here and how, how can we come up with a solution? Okay. And then underneath those things are lots of different learnings, right? Like self-awareness, awareness of others, understanding who your audience is, being creative, thinking on the spot. Like there's just so many things because life is literally, you're improvising every, in everything you do. So yeah. they're all the life skills you need to do what you're expected to do all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, just maybe being more mindful about yeah. doing it in the moment at work. Yeah, and being just being more practiced at it or more intentional, um, having more opportunities to practice what you're expected to do anyway. And so yeah. that's what these exercises are there for. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so I got one more question for you. If somebody like me, I, like I just signed up for a class, but how do you, what kind of guidance would you offer somebody who's looking for a teacher or looking for a class to take to make sure they find you know, something that syncs up. Like, I'm sure you get people where you're like, oh, you're not, I'm not the right person. For <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how does somebody make a good choice there? I think if you can like do some research on that teacher or that school, the improv school, if you will, depending on where you're finding the class okay. and kind of see like what, what methods do they use? Like, are they looking to, you know, build the next great, television comedians or is it about applied improvisation that's typically a clue if you see something about applied improvisation that's going to be more geared towards 
applying it to things other than the stage. So it could be like to, you know, to for emergencies, how could you use improv for agile? Oh, wow. For, okay. Yeah, for leadership, for medical, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. So we don't all have to turn into Jimmy Fallon. No, no. Thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> no worries. And I don't think he did bunny bunny to get there either. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, like to me, a lot of it, um, even the exercises made me uncomfortable from a warm up and kind of shake out the nervous energy thing and be goofy together bit. I get that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the work seemed like it was work that we were doing to create work. What does that mean? Yeah. Tell me more like, about that. Like if, if, if we, we were doing a, a thing, an exercise or whatever, and it wasn't funny, it would have the beginnings of something that if we did it a hundred times and kept going over it and refining it and writing it and rewriting it, we could make it into something that would be really funny and worth showing on stage. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. felt like what we were doing were being, was being vulnerable and amateurs in front of other people mm -hmm. for the sake of them coming to watch their loved ones stand on a stage and be amateurish and vulnerable. <laughs> and sometimes, fantastic. And in one case, one guy was funny. <laughs> right, naturally. Yeah. But yeah, he, I mean, he, there was a guy who'd been doing it for years and yeah. years and years, and he was really funny, but yeah. Most of it, it was just, I don't know, it felt like a kid's dance recital a little bit to me. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I think, I think there's like two things. One is, you know, part of being creative and feeling safe kind of is tapping into like your child, you know, your yeah. childlike self. And, yeah. but you have to feel comfortable going there, you know? I mean, there's nothing better than working with a bunch of children, and it's because they're A, creative, they B, haven't been conformed to society's yeses and nos, you know? Right. And so the world and the sky is the limit. And so they're the best improvisers because they're not in their head judging themselves and each other. When you yeah. become an adult, you've dealt with things your whole life that are like, don't do that, that's childish, don't do that, that's inappropriate. And improv is like, okay, let's free you of that and play and see what happens when you play with people, how well you connect with one another. So do you think that you have to, or is a goal, I promise this will be the last question, then I'll let you go. Do you think you have to be able to let go of everything and just turn into that childlike mind? Like there was a big thing about letting go of your cool. And I, and I get that. Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm capable of that up to a certain point, but there's also a part where I'm like, yeah, nah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have to be able to, I mean, is that, is that an intent? Like I can return to that completely free state, the one you just described. Can people do that? I think a lot of people can, and a lot of people, it takes them a long time to get there. And I think, okay. again, it goes back to the teacher designing something for their audience. So when I work with engineers and software developers I'm designing a course specifically with that audience in mind who are probably having that sort of self-talk like I don't want to do this this is embarrassing I don't you know so I'm designing things that don't pull them out in the spotlight but that like yeah. ease them into things very slowly over time right and okay. then all of a sudden that the light bulb goes off and they feel more free to make mistakes and just learn from them and laugh at them and not take themselves so seriously all the time so that other people can become closer to them. You know, yeah. they become a little more self-aware. They discover why they feel uncomfortable 
but they're not doing that and feeling irritated by it. And that's because you kind of got them there slowly. You know, you didn't yeah. just like slap them in the face with something. Yeah. I think one of the hardest parts for me is the, um, and you kind of just touched on it, being aware of being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and like, and saying, okay, because uh, I can't find myself, and why am I so uncomfortable with this? But not yeah. having that be a barrier to action mm-hmm. because. If I say, well, I should be willing to act like a, you know, infant who just got fed and I don't want to do that, then I'm a bad person because I'm not good at improv and I'm not open. Mm-hmm. And like, but it's like the judging yourself in the reverse direction. You know what I mean? Being aware to me, learning to be awareness, aware of the resistance was really is, is important. Yeah. I that's think, the so stuff I need to push. Like, my... Do you feel God. like you figured out why you feel that way or when you feel that way and when you don't I know when I feel that way and I have a sense of why I feel that way and I think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that maybe it was missing that first class but I'm introverted yeah and I like to be extroverted when I'm in a crowd of people that I know and I trust and I'm good friends with because it's just I can be whatever um but Mm -hmm. there's also stuff that I'm just like that's not a place I feel like compelled to be Mm -hmm. sometimes um so I don't think I have it totally figured out, but I'm, I was excited to, to develop some sense of not just, oh, that's stupid, but mm-hmm. wow, why do I, I am, why do I not want to do whatever game it was? Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I'm going to keep trying to figure it out, but I really am grateful to you for taking time to help me and patience to help me learn about this stuff better because I feel like it is important. Yeah, no problem. I think it's just, you know, another another way to learn and another tool to have and that fits into so many scenarios and obviously like getting to know yourself on a deeper level and understanding like when you're being pushed to the limit and when you're not and why you behave a certain way I think that's important no matter how you figure it out you know because that frees you up to be open to more new things yeah and more connected to everything you do and every person you come in contact with cool all right, thank you. I really appreciate it. I know you said it wasn't, maybe I needed therapy, but maybe this was a little bit like that. So thank you for that. Do you have any Kleenexes nearby? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good. So good. if people want to want to find you, they can go to improveffect.com. They can find you on Improv Effect on Facebook and on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, that and is they can correct. find the book on Amazon, all the links to all this stuff. Cool, thank And I'll also put in a link to the creative uh, event as well. But thank you very much for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. This was Thanks. Fun. That was really fun. Appreciate it.